can't do it. Uh, I, okay. I, yeah. I'll, I'll leave that in because that's what the people expect. Uh, it's Rob. <laughs> this week, we're, we're checking back in with Portugal uh, because they just had elections last Sunday, January 30th, with um, subtly significant results, I guess you can say. Um, I mean, I like Portugal. I know you like Portugal, oh, yeah. so we'll take any uh, excuse to check back in with Portugal. But there is a reason uh, this week. Um, and it might not be a good reason. It's kind of by subtly significant. I mean, like the rest of Europe can't go around making comments like, well, you know, Portugal, they actually have a pretty left wing government down there. It's 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 over. We can't say that anymore. <laughs> that <was it. laughs> um, All the reports were like, oh, it's just the same again. You know, like, I don't know. The media reports were just like, oh, look. Yeah, nice. because the Socialist Party, <laughs> which, which has been the government, um, despite uh, needing support from the left-wing governments, uh, achieved an outright majority in the recent elections, which mm. um, perhaps changes uh, some of the dynamics there, and including the, 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 the electoral influence, at least, that the left-wing parties had. So we'll go through all those results, uh, talk about the far-right party, Chega, which we've talked about before on the program, and... Um, a, a new party, which Kieran and I just talked about for the first time in our last bonus, oh. which is a new ultra liberal party. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, finally got one. Yeah, That's you finally so got nice. your FDP. <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> on your uh, own FDP. <laughs> yeah, and to talk about all that, we have uh, my friend Manuel, uh, Lisbon native, uh, committed communist. <laughs> uh, does a lot of a lot of climate uh, activism, uh, and I, I'm sure he has a lot to say. And will enlighten us about what's going on there. So, Manuel, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for for inviting me. Yeah, and thanks for this very exciting introduction. <laughs> you deserve it. I promise. You are great. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I should start with. Um, I think we should dive right into the Socialist Party versus the two left wing parties and yes. and that dynamic because it really is the the crux of the issue. Um, so last November uh, is when I guess we need to start because these weren't regularly scheduled elections. These were a snap elections triggered by the president with the support of the Socialist Party. And the reason is basically because the Socialist Party wanted to uh, kick out the left or not have to re rely on the left wing parties uh, to govern anymore. And that is a long time coming because from 2011 to 2015, a right wing government in Portugal uh, implemented Troika policies and austerity. And the 2015 elections uh, were was a backlash to that. The center-right did not have a majority, and the Socialist Party didn't either. But with the help of the two left-wing parties, the Left Bloc and the Communist Party, or the Communist Union, um, they were able to have uh, a government. It was something like a confidence and supply government. The left-wing parties did not take any executive or cabinet positions, but um, thanks to an agreement with the Socialist Party, they got a slate of left-wing policies, things like freeze on further privatizations, um, some some limit to austerity, I guess you can say. Which also, yeah, which made sense because the whole austerity politic, um, policies after the financial crisis were not too well received. <laughs> but it's um, even that is not. It was never a stable agreement. Um, and even leading up to the twenty nineteen elections, the socialists were advocating for basically the chance to run their own government without the baggage of the left. And the socialists did gain seats in the 2019 elections, but not enough for an absolute majority. But they also didn't re return to that kind of more formal agreement from 2015 to 2016 that they had with the left-wing parties. And that's why since 2019, it was, uh, you know, 
it was on a case by case basis that I think individual budget votes were, it was unclear if they were going to be approved. And it was the last one in late 2021, um, that triggered the, the, uh, dissolution of the government. Um, so there's a lot to unpack there, including why, like in what ways the socialists re- resisted more left-wing policies. Um, it's often said that they're more, uh, you know, they're, they'll take directives from Brussels in a way in the left-wing parties want to do something more radical. Um, I think the best way to start that I found um, framing the question for me is that I've heard multiple times that the, the socialist decision to call elections in November was a win-win for them and a lose-lose for the left-wing parties because it's a win in the sense that if it started with a, a budget vote, um, that was a pretty, um, that didn't, not a very, uh, with, with a lot of, um, that was, uh, unpalatable, let's say to the left-wing parties, you know, it was the, the socialist's <laughs> idea of a budget, not the, not the left-wing parties. And so it's a win in the sense that if the left-wing parties, you know, betray their principles and vote for it, then the socialists get what they want. Yeah. But, it's also a win in the sense that if the socialists call for elections, then the left will be punished. And that's not, that's quite, that's not quite, that's the sticking point. Like why I understand the first part, why that's a win for the socialists, but why is it a, why is it a loss for the left-wing parties? Why are they going to get blamed or why did the socialists get the credit for reversing the Troika era austerity policies? Um, when they were, when they kind of had to be, be dragged along a little bit, it seems like by popular pressure. Yeah. I, I mean, um, I mean, I, th- I think the, the problem is like if you if you just start at the at this at the time when the budget was proposed, I really don't think the the left could have done something else. I mean, the the Communist Party and the left bloc they proposed a bunch of uh, a f- few different points for for negotiation, and the Socialist Party basically didn't give them any of them. And they were, I mean, they were none, like, none, none. none. Like they, they, they made some gestures and they made some like uh, symbolic things, which kind of sounded similar, but I mean, really like, substantially. Come back to that at some yeah, point. <laughs> yeah. But substantially, I mean, not, not a single one of them. And so, and, 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 the, and they, they weren't even, so, I mean, for example, I mean, the Communist Party and the left bloc, they would have on their own programs, things like nationalizing uh, natural monopolies like energy and stuff but they didn't they didn't propose any of that for the negotiation i mean they they proposed things which were like reversing austerity year measures things that the socialist party had supported itself before and and okay, socialist so party was on the same platform basically yeah. they didn't even like they didn't introduce anything more yes. radical yeah, they didn't exactly. They 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 proposed only things which were kind of plausible and not things which were just their own platform and that the socialist party could never mm-hmm. accept. And in the socialist party was completely intransigent. They didn't give them any of the things that they wanted. So basically, they had no choice but to to reject the budget. And if they didn't, they would just become some kind of you know just a irrelevant parties supporting the majority of the of the socialist party. Like the Green Party and the ÖVP in Austria, mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even perhaps. though like that is a more extreme, you know, <laughs> situation. Yeah. But but so, I think it's yeah. even. Um, uh, I hope this isn't going too far back, but I understand that even the decision in 2015, before the election results, mm. there was a lot of talk in. I know, like the left bloc, for example, like not to accept a, yes. mi- a minority government with a socialist, no matter what. So it wasn't. Yeah. You have yeah. two left wing parties that aren't different just because they're further left on an electoral spectrum, but have a different approach to yeah. the general 
electoral politics that yeah. perhaps the Greens are so in it. And so how did they, how did that unfold then? Like from, from that point to, to where we are now, where they, mm-hmm. I don't, it seems like relied on the electoral path yeah. and then basically had their energy drained away. Was there, was there another path? Like how, I mean, how exactly it, did that happen? I mean, in 2015, I mean, the election in 2015 was the, was the end of the, of the austerity, austerity government. There had been like huge mass demonstrations against austerity in Portugal. I mean, there was a demonstration with a million people in Lisbon, which is 10% of the population. Yeah. And, and the left bloc and the Communist Party were uh, very involved in this, in this, in these mobilizations. And so th- this is, this is why they got such a good vote in the 2015 elections. And so if, and then they, they had, they were in this situation where either they support the Socialist Party in, in, uh, for, in a, in a, in this, in a left wing government, or they would allow the same prime minister who was, doing the austerity policies to remain in power. So this is, I mean, it would, it was kind of political suicide. To, right, right, right. Because it would have been, a, um, the reason it would have been the same prime minister is because the center-right party got more votes. Yeah. And so the alternative would be a grand coalition, which I think hasn't happened in, in Portuguese <laughs> history because no, the socialist, yeah, yeah. No grand coalitions, but you've had minority governments of one of, one of the center parties and then they would just go case by case and the other party would sometimes right, prove right. But, yes. but then but there was another sorry nothing no. but there was another thing in 2015 which was that there was actually something that the socialist party and the left could agree on which was reversing some of the austerity measures so so, so things have gotten so bad that we've got to a point that that then the left and the socialist party actually have something in common yeah. So, so this was the basis of their understanding and of the document that they signed that was then the basis for these first four years of the left coalition is that they agreed on some basic uh, things that they needed to reverse from the from the austerity government. So this is what it made it possible for in the first four years. This is what made it work is that even people who voted for the left bloc and the Communist Party, they could agree that they were I mean, they were not getting the government they wanted, but they were getting something, you know, mm-hmm. And so this this kept somehow the stability of the of these first four years, right? and then it's changed completely in 2019. Well, the, why is that? Because so the 2019 results, the socialists got more seats, but not enough, not the result they were hoping yeah. for, which they got this time around. Uh, the left bloc had about ten nine to ten percent of the vote, and the communists about five or six, um, which was I think the communists lost seats. Um, communists still, lost some uh, seats, yeah, but the yeah. left bloc maintained. Yeah, the but, communists but, went down from, uh, I think, 17 to 12 seats. Okay. So not insignificant, but less of a drop than it was from 2019 to yeah. 2022. And so why did more, why, why did, why did they, their position uh, deteriorate so much more quickly post-2019? Is it just Corona? Is there something else? Well, so, so I mean, the, the, um, I think what changed mostly was that the Socialist Party decided it's enough. I mean, I mean they, they had done what they thought was you know, acceptable to them together with the left. And then from 2019, they had, they had clearly a strategy of, of changing course, of going more towards the center. So, I mean, the, the Communist Party, after the 2019 elections, the Communist Party immediately said they don't want to sign another agreement. Okay. This is probably reflecting the fact that they lost five seats in parliament because of the agreement, whereas the left bloc kept their, their seats. And the left, so the left bloc proposed to the Socialist Party to sign another agreement, and the Socialist Party rejected it. Oh. So 
so, so the Socialist Party decided that from then on they they want to govern by themselves, and 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 then have, and, and so they did. I mean, because they don't want to be well, they they called it they don't want to be hostages of the left. So that's, that's what they said. So, they, <laughs> so from then on, their their strategy changed, right? And, and and this is the moment when the left also needed to change their uh, sort of change their strategy and start um, and start. Being speaking more strongly about their divergences with the Socialist Party, and you know, so trying to prepare basically for the for this break that happened now, and and but so so they and, and the question is why didn't they right because the problem of the of the way the break happened now is was kind of sudden I mean there was no there was not enough uh, there, there, I don't think there was enough work of trying to convince people that that there is a need to break with the Socialist Party and and, and govern on the left. And I, I don't know. I think part. I mean, I think in in 2019 they they so there was the election and they voted for the 2020 budget. And this one they they approved or or they or they abstained and let it pass. So both the left bloc and the and the communist party. And so there, yeah, I guess you could say. I mean, it was the first budget, so you have to give the benefit of the doubt. Or, so so they they decided to let that one pass. And then. Then there was a budget for 2021, and there the left bloc voted against, and the Communist Party voted for it. So, 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 so sorry, sorry, the Communist Party abstained. So I think, yeah, so I think they were already getting ready to, to start. They probably had a strategy. I assume that they had a strategy to start breaking with the Socialist Party, but then COVID came. Yeah, so, <laughs> something <and> then, unexpected. <laughs> yeah, and so then they had, they couldn't, they couldn't reject the budget, so there were there was a, the budget for 2020, and then a supplementary budget for 2020 because of because of COVID, and they had to approve because they they really had no. And I think this was the problem is that they they were stuck, right? If yeah. if they had a strategy of starting to do a more hard hard opposition and to break from the socialist party, I think it got kind of destroyed by COVID because then everyone had to be very responsible and support the the government. Uh, I want to come back to that, but the other narrative that I heard a lot is this um, a strategic voting. I keep saying it's like voto util or something yeah. in Portuguese. I or see it all the time. Tactical voting, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which is basically that in the in so after these snap elections were called, which I think uh, as Man was laid out, it was you know this whole it was it was a very long uh, simmering dynamic. But the Socialist Party was maybe not that far away from the social democratic, the center right party in, in the polls. Uh, it didn't seem like they were going to get the absolute majority that they, that they wanted. And I'm not sure exactly how the narrative begun, but there was after the results came in and the socialists had a better than expected result and actually got enough seats to clear the absolute majority, which by the way, they only have by about one seat, I think one seat. Um, the narrative that I heard was something like, the two left-wing parties lost 300, 350,000 votes and the Socialist Party picked up about that same number of votes. And there was this idea that um, the strategic voting was necessary to prevent a right-wing coalition I mean, uh, because Chega and this new mm-hmm. ultra-liberal party were on the rise. I mean, it's a common strategy, right? Like you see that in Turkey, you see that here as well. Yeah. But, yeah. So that was yeah, effective, was, you'd say? Like, do yeah, you know anyone was, who, who voted tactically, maybe? <laughs> Yeah, lots of people. I mean, th- yeah. this was definitely a big. This was definitely a big factor, and it's that the, the polls were just um, the polls showed that the Socialist Party and the, and the center right were very, very close. 
So this was in this even you even noticed this in the in the Socialist Party campaign. In the beginning of their campaign, they were calling for an outright majority, and they were just dunking on the left. I mean, their whole strategy from the beginning was the left have been irresponsible. We should give us a majority so we can govern by ourselves. I mean, the, 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 it wasn't even considered a possibility that the right could win the elections. And then as the campaign progressed, the the polls showed the right getting very close to the Socialist Party. They even, they in some of these tracking polls, they even, the, so, the Social Democrat Party was even in, ahead for, for like one poll or something. And so then this changed everything. I mean, the Socialist Party stopped talking about outright majority and started attacking the right much more and talking about how if the right won, then the only way for them to have a majority in parliament was to include the ultra-liberals and the far, and the far right. And so this became now, the after a while, the campaign just became this. It's just the Socialist Party attacking the, the center-right by saying that if they go to govern, they need to rely on the far-right. And I think this caused really a lot of people to switch from the left to the, to the Socialist Party because they, were afraid of, because they were afraid of this. Why do you think that was effective? The, um, I mean, to me, it seems like a certain kind of political discourse or a certain kind of political culture that uh, I feel like as an American I'm well acquainted with, but that it's like a losing battle for a lot of leftist uh, principles or ideas because you're not debating uh, policies or you're not, not even debating the idea of, uh, of a social system under which to live, but you're debating very like like strategic and specifically yeah. against this kind of right-wing populism. And I feel like that redounds to... Yeah. The right-wing populists themselves, which uh, <laughs> I, I, a lot of people have said, all the media attention that they, that Chega and Ventura got, but redounds also to a certain technocratic, centrist uh, management uh, politics. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't even, especially after the after the fact that we know that it not we now know it's possible for the Socialist Party to go into a coalition with the left, right? So for me, that kind of removes the necessity of this tactical vote. Because if I, vote, I mean, the right is only going to win if people vote for the right. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how voting for the left can make the, the right win. But I think a lot of people believe this, and I think, I think also the, the one thing we have to see is that not everyone who is voting for the communist party or the left bloc are what you would call like leftists. I mean, there are people who want the socialist party to be in government, but who think the socialist party has drifted too too much to the right, and so they want. The left bloc and the Communist Party to 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 force them to to govern a bit more to the left, right? And those people are a, are a part of the left bloc and the Communist Party. More of the left bloc. The, the Communist Party has their own traditional base, and it's very doesn't vary that much. But the, the left bloc has a lot of people who vote for the left bloc who actually want a socialist party government. It's a bit skewed to the left. And those people, as soon as they saw that there was a possibility that the socialist party would lose, they ran. Just thought it first. Interesting. I mean, it is a typical dilemma, no? Like that the left has the more like far left in comparison to the Socialist Party. <clears throat> I mean, you said um, that you in the US, like as as an, as an American, wouldn't understand because of the coalition thing that are going on. But in the in the same way, if you have something like the Green Party or something like that in the US and nobody votes for them because they say in the end, like it's a, like you waste your vote or something like that. You know, in Portugal you have, of course, 
more chances to actually have these parties in, in the parliament, unlike the Green Party in, in the US. But of course, it's a dilemma and you want to be, you know, if, if you have pressure from the right. Um, but as you said, it's, it's as soon as you know, okay, there is a possibility of a coalition where you don't have to actually, you know, um, sell out your ideals completely. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was the situation yeah. now that, that you could not, yeah, that the left could not really push through their agenda in this coalition. Um, but yeah, there is a possibility of. Yeah, and, and I think it's it's also a like it's a really old phenomenon, right? I mean, yeah. and the the weird thing now is it's not. I mean, the same thing happened with with fascism before, right? That that uh, that it serves as a way to legitimize the the center and the, the status yeah. quo politics, right? It's that as soon as there's some kind of monster out there, you, you know, the suddenly the shit that we've had for, you know, we have, we have, you know, we have, we've been living in shit for all this time, right? But suddenly if there's this far right monster over there, then the shit is a bit better. So you, yeah. so you yeah, vote for the shit. To keep out the, <laughs> so, yeah, and this is, and, but the weird thing now is that it's not, I mean, I, I could understand, I could understand people wanting to do this in like, uh, you know, when, when there was an actual threat of fascists in power, right? Which is really not the case. Yeah. In Portugal, at least now, right? It's, it's Shega doesn't doesn't have enough to to be in power. I mean, they, they they have enough MPs to now make some fuss in parliament, and they would, you know, they, they would, there was a possibility that the the, the center right government would have to be supported by them. But it's not like we're 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 on the verge of having fascists taking power and brown shirts going on the streets. Yeah, but this image is very useful for the, <laughs> you know. But but uh, but steering up the fear of this is very useful for the socialist party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well, as you said. I think you're really right when you say like uh, it's it's very comes in handy for any kind of centrist policies and any kind of like image of stability or something like mm. that. You know. And even like being able to fish like on the right, you know, saying like, oh shit, we can't lose voters to these parties. So we have to kind of like bring them in. Mm. And by that we can, we have to maybe move a bit, like scooch a bit over to the right or something like that, yeah. or at least like abandon our coalition partners in that sense. You know? Yeah, it was actually, it was interesting because the, the center right for, for this, this election. So the, before the election, the center right had their own internal election. And the guy that won, Rui Rio, his whole thing was to was to was to do a campaign from the center, and and and, and he yeah. was there was a, a lot of debate in the right because of this that people thought he was wrong, and and I think this also is part of the explanation why the why the the ultra liberals in the far right had so many votes that the center right said explicitly that they wanted to. that they were they were going to be moderate, and so the people <laughs> who didn't like this they voted for the. For yeah. the ultra right. Yeah. Wait, is that the guy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he's a bit of a character, and <laughs> yes. I, I, I want to return to him. Yeah. But I want to ask you something actually about uh, what you said about some maybe soft left block voters, if that makes sense. That yeah. um, that was switched back to the socialist party because I think this is a dynamic that exists in a lot of countries, and it really makes you wonder what the what the basis for left wing politics is. Because mm. on the one hand, you can say. It was a shout. So on, on the one hand, you can say that it was good for the left to attract these kinds of voters because they have a larger base. But on the other hand, you can say, 
when push came to shove or when it actually came, it was important to, you know, fight for, for a left wing, uh, a slate of left wing policies. These are exactly the people they're very, there's a very shallow attachment and they'll, they'll turn around. Exactly. Is this, how do you avoid that? I guess is my question. Is it, I, I'm inclined to say something like it's a, it's an electoral thing. Like, because when, when you're, I don't know, have the option to vote for maybe a little better, something a little better and it's not going to empower the right wing in any way, then, okay, you choose the slightly better option, but then that doesn't actually maybe create an organic base of new left-wing voters. I guess what I'm asking is if even these people, the soft, the soft left will switch back to the socialists, how do you get, how do you attract more people to the left? Yeah. Is I it mean, outside voting is, yeah. I don't know, I don't know if you have any, I'm not, not going to solve the problem, but, but maybe you have <laughs> some, some stories from Portugal you for, have for our listeners across <laughs> Europe. I mean, this is an old question, right? I mean, and, and the yeah. question is also why, why are the left parties in, in elections, right? Are they trying mm-hmm. to, are they trying to build a base for a revolution or are they just... Uh, Reformist revolution. Or are they just, you know, and, and, so, and, and this is the thing, right? When you, it's always this, I mean, when you are success, in order to be successful, to draw in more people, at least in electoral politics, and at least now in current conditions, you have to play the, the game of what is yeah. acceptable and what you yeah. can actually convince the Socialist Party to do. But then, of course, you have to you have to sacrifice some things, and then eventually, these people that you that you gain might be lost. Right? So, and there was a there was an interesting thing about the the left bloc and the communist party this election, exactly because of this, which was that they they almost had two two different political programs for this election. You know, they had they had if you actually read their program, they, they had their own program, meaning what they would do if they were the most voted party, right? So they had nationalization, mm-hmm. nationalizing all of the natural monopolies, like energy and uh, mail, nice. many things like this. So, so their actual, you know, their actual program. And then they had the, pro- the things that they actually talked about during the campaign. So none of this, so the, the only time that they ever talked about nationalizations was when the, the socialist party attacked them in a debate by pulling it out of their pro- program, right? Because they didn't want to talk about it, right? What they wanted to talk about was their, you know, alternative program, which was the things that they actually think they can negotiate with the socialist party, mm. right? Which was some changes to labor laws, some more, some, some improvements to the national health system, some improvements to social security, minimum wage, you know, this, so, so no, yeah. So, so they were kind of this kind of, uh, living this parallel life, this double life. Yeah. It's funny, but it's also, I mean, in, in, at least in some sense, it's at least honest. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's it, but it was kind of weird that you know, during the whole campaign, they had just been talking about these things that they want to negotiate, yeah. and then they go into a debate with the socialist party, and the guy from the socialist party is like, "Oh, but you see here in your program, you want to nationalize energy and mail and all of this stuff. You know, you know how much this is going to cost? Are you crazy?" <laughs> see, see, so you know, it's it's almost like the you know the it's like red baiting, you know the. Mm. You know, these people, they are pretending to be very moderate, but actually, if you read their program, they are communists. You know? They're actually <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. You could vote for the cool guys. Yeah. yeah, so this was weird, you know, and I I felt yeah. like, yeah, and, 
Yeah, and I felt like, for example, when this happened with the left block, they, they, they weren't very... The, per, the, the Their leader was a bit uncomfortable in the debate and wasn't very ready to defend. <laughs> like, she was there to talk about labor law and minimum wage. Yeah. She was not there to talk about yeah. nationalization. She was not ready. The <laughs> Communist Party is a bit different because they have more... They're always ready. <laughs> yes, yes. They, they, yeah, they did a bit better when they when they tried to accuse them of the nationalization because they just said, yes, of course. Yeah. We call the Communist Party. What do you think? Is there anything you want to share about the... Because the, I want to ask... Where do the parties go from here? Um, is it different for the left bloc and the communists? I know there are slightly different mm-hmm. voter bases. Um, is it is it is there an opportunity in the like you know what's what's yeah and and I guess also personally is it something that you and your your milieu expected like is it a surprise mm-hmm. or is it like well this was the, the uh, going to happen eventually and maybe it's out of the way or something and now we can we can. Yeah. Move yeah, forward. I mean, it was kind of, as soon as the budget failed, it was pretty, I mean, what, what I thought when they called the elections was, you know, it's it's the most likely thing is that the left is going to be destroyed. I mean, but, but I thought, I mean, maybe they can have really amazing campaign and I don't know. And it, it's also, I, I feel like the left, like when they're fighting against, you know, common sense and stability and whatever, you, you, you need some, some way to make like the only the only way that you're going to take a risk, you know, if you're deciding if you want to vote for the Socialist Party or for the Left Bloc, is if you're really excited about something. Like if there's something in the programs that are actually exciting people, and then for that, I think you need social movements, you need uh, you need activity on streets, you need, and this was very hard to do during during COVID. During COVID, yeah. But but uh, but talking about the the future, there was a there was an interesting interview with with someone in the left block just yesterday or something where he was talking about that they are now planning to focus on exactly on this on social movements and trade unions. And that they're, I mean, this is what they were used doing before, right? And now they had this interlude of focusing on <laughs> parliament, and now that they've become irrelevant in parliament again, I'm. I think they're going to go back into focusing on More like labor movement, movement and social movement. Back to the old yeah, me. Yeah. I was about to ask that, actually. Yeah. Um, if if, I mean, if there's anything else on the left on what to do, maybe lessons from Portugal, I'm, I'm all ears. But otherwise, there's a lot of funny <laughs> stuff about the, the, the right. The right, yeah. right. <laughs> Let me see if I had something here. Um, I mean, there are some, there are some interesting details about the for example about the negotiations now for the for the budget mm-hmm. and there are there are certain things that just that just show how how the how the socialist party was unwilling to negotiate i mean one of them is the is the minimum wage so one of the one of the communist party's um, demands for the negotiation of the budget was was that the minimum wage should be raised to 800 euros in 2022 yeah and the, the socialist party was wanted to raise it to 700 in 2017. <laughs> and they and they and their so their response to the to the um, to the communist party's demand was just they didn't shift no, nothing they they had proposed 700 and they stayed at 700 and that was it and then after the budget had failed and during the electoral campaign the socialist party unveiled their big plan where actually the um, where actually now they're going to raise the minimum wage to 900 euros until 2026. 
Wow. So so they are just they are like one year behind what the Communist Party wanted in terms yeah. of minimum. So they yeah. but they didn't they didn't propose this during the negotiations. So, I mean, it's really they didn't even want it to get passed. Basically, yes. <laughs> they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. look what we really wanted. <laughs> but, Ah, oh, that's interesting. Yes. Yeah, that's an inter That's very, very, very yeah. strategic. <laughs> There's um, I'm I'm a little out of my element talking about this, but um, as I understand it, it's been argued that Portugal's recovery uh, after the the financial crisis, which has been buoyed by the fact that austerity uh, measures were uh, were frozen and reversed in some ways, and uh, like for example, there was more social spending because people had a little bit more money to spend. But this, combined with tourism and other aspects that are boosting the Portuguese economy, means that it's not uh, a full recovery, and that that perhaps if people are voting for the socialists as a because uh, they 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 got Portugal out of the the financial crisis, that maybe this won't last or. I mean, who knows about about the future of the world economy <laughs> post <laughs> post COVID? But I guess there could be something in there where um, maybe it's a false a false victory or something for the socialists and their idea that oh well, see, we've done enough to fix to fix the Portuguese economy. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they they they've they've been. Yeah, sure. I mean, they took they took credit for a lot of the um, a lot of the measures that were proposed by the by the left bloc and the communist party, like uh, the the cheaper transportation passes in Lisbon and free um, school manuals and some change so in the minimum wage and some changes to labor laws. And, and of course, they were also lucky that the, the the actual you know world financial world economy situation changed in, in their favor. And I mean, yeah, yeah. I guess what you're asking is whether they are going to now get screwed if the if the situation gets gets bad. But I'm not so sure because now they have this money from the European Union to spend. This has been one of their big uh, one of their big things. Also in the in the in the local elections that they were going around telling everyone that now this money is coming. <laughs> so they're very. This Money's is also coming. one. Money's coming. That's, that's uh, coming. music to a lot of people's ears. <laughs> you yeah. check the the, the money's coming. So so I think <laughs> you know they at least are are feeling positive that they can that they can have some good four years because you know they can use this this EU money and they've already started. They already so d during the whole campaign, the Socialist Party was was one of their big selling points was that they already have the budget ready. So the one that was rejected. So if you <laughs> If you, you know, we don't need, you know, if you, if you elect us on the next day, we're going to propose again this budget and it's so good. And, it's, and <laughs> so now already it seems like they're going to change some things from the budget, which have been put there <laughs> from by pressure from the left. So, so some things about taxing uh, capital gains and things like this. Oh. So it's already starting. The, the yeah, right turn has already started. Damn. <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> well, I guess we should talk a bit about the right yeah. on that yes. because despite totally how <laughs> um, goofy and ridiculous they are, um, they they appear to be exerting some kind of influence on um, on Portuguese politics. Um, before we get to maybe the more high profile, although quite small parties, uh, I do want to talk about the center right party because uh, you mentioned him already. This uh, uh, Rui Vio is very, he's a bit of a character. You sent me, you sent me a video um, that I think our listeners will appreciate. 
where I didn't, it didn't like, like the video didn't quite have the context, but mm. if I understand it correctly, it was election night and he was asked if he was going to step down yes. and yeah. to like avoid the question, he started speaking German. <laughs> no, he, no he, he, he answered the question, but not very directly. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the journalist insisted. And then he said, well, then he said this. What did he say? Oh, yeah. do, do, do you want me to cut it in? No, or you, yeah, you yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to show it to us right now. No, well, then he, ah, then, okay, he, okay. then he said that, you know, if I've already, then he said that to the journalist that, you know, if I've already, I've already answered you in Portuguese, but if you want, I can answer you in German. <laughs> oh, so wow. then he answered in German. <laughs> he did go to the German school in, in, in Lisbon? Yeah. No, in Portugal. Okay. Oh, in Portugal. Uh, that okay. is a thing, huh? The yeah. German yeah, school yeah, yeah. thing. We have another yeah. German, German yeah. alum. Uh, we'll be talking about shortly. And mm-hmm. as I understand, it's not the first time he's done this. There was another news article of him. Like a very similar situation. Re- replying in German. It's from a couple years ago. If someone starts speaking German mm-hmm. <laughs> at some point. It's, it's also, it's, it's very strange that he, he, he has this, he has this like populist kind of vibe, you know, this, that's his mm. thing. Like using popular expressions, whatever. Yeah. So just, Speaking German in your election night speak is definitely not the populist. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. like <laughs> yeah. you know, it's very, it's very yeah. anti-national. You know? it's yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. But there's something it's perhaps. Very strange. I think it's because he had already lost and he was just like, fuck it. I can speak yeah, German yeah. if I want to. <laughs> but there's something uh, just, just from the few clips I've seen of him, it is antagonistic, right? He's like kind of trolling the, the journalist yeah. by speaking German mm. to him. And while on the one hand you could say that doesn't, you know, that's not very populist. It reminds me a bit of Trump or someone who he's not mm. at all. He has a golden yeah. toilet or whatever, but because he's being mean to people, even if it's completely yeah. Un, yeah. Uh, alien to your experience, it's yeah. it, it works in some way. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. People are like, I mean, he lost, so see, it didn't work out well. That journalist, journalist yeah, 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 speaking yeah. German. Finally, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> people are going to speak German here. It should be used to uh, harass journalists. Yeah. That's, yes, uh, yes. That's, yes. No, actually, I think. It's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was that was his, that was his thought. Uh, he also said he spoke out before about the influence of Freemasonry in in the party. I don't know if you've oh, uh, if you've heard about that. This I didn't hear about. No. <laughs> I don't know. Is, is there anything else you yeah, want to share about the guy? There just seem to be a lot of a lot of stories about him. He's a bit of a character. I don't know. I think. I mean. I mean. One thing that says a lot is that he he was the mayor of Porto for a long time, yeah. and he and he's from there, and Porto was and. He, he was one of, and now he had one of the worst, his worst results was in Porto. Oh, so shit. So nice. the people that know him the best are That's the... good. <laughs> so it says, yeah, I don't know. A lot of people say he's very authoritarian. Okay. Oh, um, I see that. I mean, he speaks German. Yeah, it's yeah. already... Uh, <laughs> I would never trust that. Comes but, with the territory. Yeah. <laughs> it could, do you see like a more right-wing turn in the party? I assume they're going to have like a leadership election or I'm not sure the, of the exact dynamics, but like here in Germany, for example, our friend, I don't know if we've officially said it on the podcast, Friedrich oh, Merz. Oh, Friedrich Merz is yeah. the new leader of the, the CDU. Uh, the the so right like, wing mm, of the party is yeah. the... Yeah, when the CDU lost and now they're in the opposition, um, they're like basically the German equi- equivalent of this. Um, after the, like after 16 years in power, <laughs> now they lost and they took the turn. Uh, well, their lesson, their conclusion was them. We're not right wing enough. Let's let's introduce someone that is like a strong right wing value, like. This this dude did not get the nomination for for a, like chancellery uh, or like a t- uh, candidacy for yeah, the chancellor candidacy. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 
because they wanted to go with someone who's a bit more, you know, you, you nice little well, like uncle, like drunk yeah, uncle vibes. Yeah, and drunk uncle. yeah, yeah. Friedrich Merz. Yeah, actually, maybe who you is a bit of a drunk uncle. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Merz is not. Right. He's a very dried out. Uh, yeah, Friedrich Merz doesn't seem like he drinks. <laughs> <laughs> he stays sober too. <laughs> Be more right wing. <laughs> In the in the final part of the campaign, when he when the polls showed the the socialist party and the center right very close to, to each other, Rui Rio said that uh, Costa should 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 learn to lose with dignity. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, was, that didn't age very well. No, it didn't. <laughs> no, but so, is but there you, is, is there an idea of a right wing turn, or is it too yeah. too early think, to tell? Yeah, I mean, I think it's likely because I mean, already in the Congress before this election. So just before the election, the right managed to force uh, an early Congress to mm. to try to the right in the in the in the Social Democratic Party managed to force an early Congress to try to get Rio out and the right wing, more right wing like liberal candidate in, and they named Rio won this this internal election, and now that he did he had this terrible electoral result, it's quite likely that the right in the party is going mm. to try to. I mean, to, to come back, yeah, makes sense since like uh, the socialist party is now trying to occupy more space to the center, yeah. You know, and then in the end, there's no room in the center. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. You know, like you can't yeah. run on the same platform or the same policies as they are doing, even though it's of course it's not the same. But like, if there's too much overlapping, then you can say, oh, then we just keep the socialists in because why not? They They've brought us through the pandemic. <laughs> I don't know, you know, the stability kind of thing. Yeah, and they lost a lot of votes to the to the far right. I mean, to the to the far yeah. right and to the like yeah. ultra liberal right. So I think they want to yeah. get those back. So it's, um, it's yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I might as well bring them up because I, I think that is an interesting dynamic. We should start with Chega, which I think most people listening by now know. It's yeah. the the Portuguese edition of your new far right populist. Yeah. all the all the mm -hmm. same um and it's a bit of a mixed bag i think in the election because as manuel alluded to they have 12 seats now that's so 11 more than the last election um technically they're the third biggest party although there's a huge gulf between the two mm -hmm. major parties mm -hmm. and, the, and the smaller parties but still more than the the two left-wing parties mm -hmm. but at the same time they have fewer votes overall than uh they got in the presidential election which portugal is one of those countries where the president it's not the It's not like France or something. It's, the, it's just representative. The, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, they have yeah. some, some, uh, some. They power, can dissolve. Right? Can they dissolve parliament? Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. president dissolve the parliament. These elections yeah. happen yeah, because they, they the president the dissolve exactly. the parliament. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what's what's the status of Chega right now. Do you think it's almost Is like I, I get the impression a little <laughs> bit that especially there's like a there's a cycle of of media hand wringing, but also real fear that comes with the with the rise of one of yeah. these parties. But that's almost been processed already because it happened in the presidential election and then this is just you know a fait accompli like okay 12 seats yeah. we'll learn to live with it yeah this was always going to ha i mean this was going to happen whenever the next uh, parliamentary election happened right? i mean it could be now or it could be two years from now I, mean, i find it very unlikely that in the two years between now and when the election normally would have happened that they would somehow lose their support And I mean, I, I don't know. I have no. I mean, one one of the things that that is very that people are 
kind of waiting to find out is who are the other who are the other 11 right because because Che is like a one man show yeah exactly right? it's, it's uh, just Ventura yeah, basically and then Ventura used to be of, sorry <laughs> the big ass posters of Ventura everywhere in, oh, yeah. in the spawn and yeah it's just him basically yeah it's a personality cult <laughs> yes I mean, he, he, is, he has resigned multiple times in like very dramatic fashion and then wow a run again for the leadership in a new Congress and then got 99% of the votes like multiple times. Like, you know, so nobody he, else he, knows anyone from Chega. You know, he, he makes these, these outlandish, he sets this outlandish goal for himself for, for the elections, for example, and then yeah. he doesn't meet the goals and then he resigns because he didn't meet the goal. <laughs> then there's a Congress. He runs again, he gets 99% of the votes and he comes back. You know, wow. it's, it's, it's a really weird, uh, so so yeah so 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 the other the other MPs that were elected I, I only know one of them and it's because so so one thing so Andre Ventura used to be in the in the center right in the Social Democratic Party mm -hmm. so he was he was and he was there he was there so he got he got famous for two two main reasons one is he was a football commentator on TV. Oh, so what, these these shows that are on like almost every day where people just talk and shout at each other for hours about football. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. So he was the Benfica representative <laughs> in these oh, in these <laughs> in one of these shows. <laughs> and then the other reason is he was he was a reasonably high pro like he was a member of the Social Democratic Party, and he became kind of high profile when he was candidate for mayor in a city in the in the, in the Lisbon metropolitan area which has a large Roma population. And so his whole campaign was against, against Roma. Wow. And at the time, the, the prime minister, Pastor Coelho, was a big supporter of him. He has a lot of, he went to support him in the campaign trail. And his whole campaign was just, you know, these people are living on subsidies, whatever. It's still his main, his main point. It's still racism yeah, against Racism, Roma. yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but specifically against Roma. That's his main, you know, mm. he, yeah, that's his main focus. There is some some data. Sorry to cut you off, but yeah. uh, you you also were, were we were talking about it before that Chega did, um, you know, over ten percent. So you know more than than their national average in uh, majority minority neighborhoods. Um, I'm mm -hmm. not sure exactly. I guess you can't analyze that more. I think the assumption is that there's um, like uh, white voters, maybe downwardly mobile white voters in these neighborhoods are being radicalized to the right. Um, mm -hmm. And and that that represents the the, the Chega vote, yeah. but maybe it's too early to tell in Portugal. But I, it's something that I just keep in mind, especially with France and even older in in Brazil, which is um, the like almost like a cross uh, racial uh, white nationalism, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. There's, I mean, Zamor openly plays up the fact that he's like. Jewish and so like oh try calling me anti-Semitic kind of yeah, thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and there's a th there's a way that um, you know one one group can be a scapegoat uh, for for you know more other non-white um, Portuguese voters but of course w without changing anything about about the the structure of Portugal or, or any other uh, European country um, and, and and the racial structure of them I don't know if, if that's too early to tell or if that was any, any element I mean, of the dynamic yeah it's really difficult to, to know I mean I don't I haven't seen any very good statistics about trying to figure out who because you see, it's very because small for example, anyway hmm? yeah. either way it's very small like people point to Trump winning a small uh, he did better among uh, Latino men and black men in 2020 than 2016 but 
you know, by just a little bit. Like it's not like yeah. this like massive phenomenon we have to take into account. But yeah, it's difficult to tell. I mean, Shiga was in third place almost every district, right? So it's not mm. there's not this huge concentration in specific geographical areas. So it's all over the country. People used to think it's just in the interior and whatever, but it's not. It's also in the cities. And then there's also the and but then if, if you look closer in like smaller divisions, not just the districts, then there's, there's this effect that you were saying. So there are some places where they have higher votes. And some of them, for example, are places with big uh, Roma communities where they have managed to capitalize on, on something that's always been there in Portuguese society, which is the, the racism against Roma. Is the, is, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty much the most socially acceptable form of racism yeah. in Portugal. It's, it's something that many people in who Europe. would not... Uh, even say they're racist or ever, they would still say that they don't like the gypsies because because of whatever reasons. Yeah. So this is something that was there, and then the Chega capitalized on this. So in in some places where there's a big Roma community, they managed to get a lot of votes just because of talking about it. And then, but then there's also other places where Chega has high votes, which are uh, very high income areas. So it's. So like it's it's where the right wing voters live. So it's not like right. so I've, I've I've read I've read many times uh, that that Shiga was getting, for example, votes from disgruntled disgruntled Communist Party voters or whatever. But actually, all of the serious analysis that I've seen don't show any evidence of this. It's a complete myth, and it was fabricated by the right because it's a useful narrative for them. So, the, the, so it's it's pretty clear that the votes that they are getting used to be either for the Social Democratic Party mm. or for the other like Christian Christian right party that right. was just decimated in this election. So th- this right. is where they're getting their votes. Uh, I've also seen it shown that um, I don't know if they tr- they track it exactly, but the the Christian Democrat the CSU yeah, I think they CDS are? CDS sorry um, <laughs> almost like the CSU yeah um, when they were they I mean, they're they, of the they, same they, political tradition as the right, right they're the Christian Democrats right the but but a particularly right wing form like the CSU um, and that when yeah. they were in the, the the minority partner in the in the austerity government mm-hmm. that, that that percentage is roughly equivalent to the percentage for Chega yes. and the liberal initiative yeah. so. You know, is this the rise of a new right or is it just shuffling around? I think it's mostly uh, shuffling. I mean, it's like the, these people, they used to be in the Social Democratic Party and in CDS. I mean, for example, CDS, now in this campaign, they had this whole thing about how they were, they respected the, um, the social doctrine of the church and so they couldn't be racist and whatever. But, but at the same time, they were the, they were the, um, the, the legal Democratic Party in which all of the, so after the revolution in 74, all of the former fascists who wanted to stay in politics in a respectable vehicle, they went to CDS. Of course. So in, in many Not of bad. the, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and some of the current high profile figures and uh, new MPs from Shiga are from CDS and from PSD. So it's not like this out of nowhere. No, they were always there. They were in CDS and PSD. And in, in the Initiative Liberals, same thing. I mean, what they are, what they are proposing, the, the ultra liberal Right. What they are proposing is what the social the social democratic party was trying to do during the austerity years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I want to talk about them now actually because it, perhaps similarly. Let me just Jake, say one more thing about oh, yeah, Shiga, which is that there's so one of their one of the people that got elected as their MPs is this guy 
who was who was a member, a leading member actually of this of a far right uh, armed organization after the revolution, who was bombing Communist Party headquarters. They okay. murdered multiple people in bomb attacks at Communist Party headquarters, and this guy is now an MP for Shiga, wow. and they're proposing him for vice president of the of the parliament. So this is uh, yeah, it's an ongoing. Uh, What's his name? Thing. So it's the only guy from Shiga that I know apart from Andrea Ventura. Yeah. Wow. What's his name? Diogo Pacheco Amorim. Ah. I can write the name yes, somewhere. Yes, please do. Is there, is there, where, where do I write? Is there? <laughs> Good <laughs> question. Right? There's a chat over chat. to the, the right-hand side, <laughs> yeah. I think. What do you mean? Like, oh, yeah. You see these kind of developments, like they're similar to the AfD in, in Germany. You have mm. so many members from the AfD that come from the CDU because the CDU wasn't right, far right enough. Or you even have people from the SPD, from the social democratic party so not the christian you know which mm -hmm. would be the equivalent of the socialist party basically like yeah it's a <clears throat> uh, the, the the reason i wanted to bring up uh the liberal initiative we can we can go back and forth on it a little bit is because if they're proposing the same policies as before and if chega perhaps more openly like with the the case of this uh the the head of this right-wing armed group that that you mentioned if they're stating perhaps more openly policies that existed before, there's something that at least there's a new branding or some or, or something to it or yeah, a new narrative. And the liberal initiative has this sleek, uh, very like it fits very well with FDP here. And the reason I think the FDP, for example, we've talked about it on the show before, why they got the most by one percent, I think, the most new voters in the last election is because they're pitching a certain kind of you know, nothing in society matters. You're out for yourself. You know, you should be, you should want to be yeah. an influencer and just be on your grind and you're, you're getting your money your and, your own, and you, yeah. and you have followers cause you deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. You worked hard and forget about you're everyone king. else. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if it's the same great. youth dynamic, <laughs> no, but I mean, it yeah. certainly <laughs> is tied to a lot of, uh, Uh, has a very clear correlation, I think, with income and education. Mm. Uh, you have these certain like high income, high earners in yeah. Portugal voting now. Ident not only not only supporting these policies that they would have in a in the Social Democratic Party in the past, but now building a political identity around yeah. this is our party and this is what yeah. we're like. This is what we stand for. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is this is what they've done. They've 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 taken a section of the of the. So I mean, both with Chega and in Initiative Liberal, I mean they they've these tendencies were kind of under control or, or on a leash, you know, inside the social democratic party and the, and the CDS who, and, and so even where they had to make a compromise because they were big parties were trying to win elections. Right. And with Chega in, in initiative liberal, they're not trying to win elections. And so they are allowed to be much more to say, well, actually what actually they want. Right? And with the, with the liberals, I mean, they're, they're, they're really um, very, extremely, you know, ideological party. I mean, they had a 600-page uh, political program where they, you know, they tried to portray themselves as this very professional, you know, it's yeah. the, the, the complete, like, technocratic thing, right? They just want yeah. to run the country properly. Yeah. They have 600 like pages of program. <laughs> yeah. Just and they wear this, the, the, the leader is this guy who also went to a German school <laughs> in, yes. in Lisbon. I know, it's um, a thing. And what, what, what's interesting to me about them are those European connections, because in, in a lot of ways they're implicit. Like he looks like he could be an FDP member, the the Joao, I forget his last name, the the head of their party. Um, FDP. Who, yeah, he he looks like he'd fit in fit in here. Like, <laughs> um, there, there's that element of it, but then there's also like 
an explicit cooperation between these ultra liberal parties across Europe, which is why I mentioned to you this Estonian, um, what's his name again? Hmm? The, uh, the, the Estonian guy. That oh, I sent to you. Yeah, Estonian. Yeah, and the FDP, <laughs> FDP finance, you're gonna have to finance minister that's from the um, FDP. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 so he, exactly. he supported yeah. the liberals in Portugal. Oh, okay. He sent some message saying that he Makes supported sense. them. For yes, the election. Yeah. And there is, some, there is something like an international movement. They're quite small, but there's, whether it's branding or narrative, there's this idea. I'm, I'm not going to try to say his name. How, how, how do you say it? It's like Tavi Rivas. Tavi Rivas uh, cooperated with, uh, he is the former prime minister of Estonia, yes. um, who is Estonia. part of the <laughs> austerity parties yeah. there, um, who was, uh, was speaking at this conference and, and helped uh, I don't know if helped author or was collaborating on this Portugal 2040 plan for the, mm. uh, that the, that the liberal initiative was doing. So it's quite explicit. 2040, well, yeah. they have some yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's ambitious or not ambitious. I work your way from an opposition party to, to, to a, yeah. like people's party, I but guess. It's, it, it's, it's quite explicit and it's, it's not like we're doing something completely new. We're copying what has happened quite, you know, explicitly in other, yeah. in other European countries that aren't that much smaller than, yeah. than, than ours. And that's one, one thing you, I mean, one thing you notice in, in, in the campaign is that, um, I mean, they, they were, they were making some, some proposals which were really, really extreme and, and which didn't get talked about in that way, right? I mean, the, this, this guy, the, the leader of the liberals, he, he said in one of the debates that he thinks there shouldn't be a limit to the number of working hours. Yeah, that's just should be no limit. It really, I just, just, I just mean, <laughs> this is, and, and, and the problem is, and this doesn't, this didn't get. I mean, for example, when the left proposes nationalizing something, it's yeah. like oh, they're, they're crazy, or whatever. But this, but when the the liberals say something like this, it didn't even provoke much of a reaction. And I think the the problem, the difference is that this is actually. This is actually the ruling ideology, right? I mean, yeah. and it's just that it's not, it's kind of unmasked, but it sounds yeah. reasonable. I mean, it sounds like it's part of the, of the, of the status quo. It sounds like it's something that could happen yeah. and that it's serious. You know, it doesn't sound like the left promising everything to everyone and the dream world and whatever. Whenever, when the liberals talk, it sounds like, you know, this is a serious, uh, realistic <laughs> yeah. uh, proposal. You know, let's just. Yeah have a flat 15% tax yeah. and yeah. in privatized like health and like in, in social or, security or and education. Like Germany. I, I have a few, I mean, yeah, because speaking to the international aspect, they often point to other countries. And I have here, this, these are links from their, um, from their program, at least the 2019 uh, program. Uh, they want... Healthcare reform like Germany, yeah. which means introducing <laughs> private competition yeah. to, to with, with public. Yeah. And um, what they fail to is, mention is that in Germany, the state spends more on health yeah. in terms of percentage yeah. of GDP than in Portugal. This one's yeah. particularly insane to me, which is introduce student fees to make the P Portugal more like the United Kingdom. Why would you want to be which like, is UK? like That's that's how can anyone like London doesn't that. even have student yeah. services anymore or yeah. something like that? Like, why would you want yeah. that? That's like <laughs> they said that I, mean, the students, I know why, but <laughs> students should pay the full price of their education. So they said oh, um, there should be student loans. That's some cute elitism over there. Yeah, and I mean those are just you know egregious examples. And on top of yeah, yeah liberalizing the labor market, um, 
abolishing yeah. the national minimum wage, which seems to yeah, me like, yeah. a, and talking about these like local minimum mm. wages. It's just so funny. It's like people forgot what what was going on in 2011 to 2015. You know, yeah. everyone is like, yeah, let's do austerity, but make it a, like a thing that we do constantly. Yeah. Like let's yeah, introduce it, it to exactly. Society. I mean, I think, and that's the weird thing is that yeah. like people like Pastor Coelho, who was the prime minister here during the mm -hmm. austerity yeah. crisis years. You know, he he's in the Social Democratic Party. He he probably agrees with the with the liberals and everything. He wants the same thing, but he's yeah. he's smart enough to know that you can only do these things and talk about them when there's a crisis, right? Exactly. You wait yeah. for the crisis, and then when there's a crisis, you say, "Oh, now we have to privatize everything and we have cut to on and money. destroy labor regulations, whatever." Yeah. The, no, the liberals, no public spending. <laughs> the liberals just decided that we don't need a crisis. We can just you know, we can just openly say that this is what we want. Yeah. And apparently, normality. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's yeah. it's very interesting because it's a dynamic that's going on. It's a new kind of politics. It's like, um, uh, oh, I, I did send you that article about from the anti yeah. Negro about the hyper politics. It's like they, they want the they want the chemotherapy without the cancer. <laughs> but what's what's interesting about it is that is that <laughs> they do, but they're only what five percent, or they have eight or nine seats. Yeah, and you can yeah. say that that's good that they're small, but it's. It's, it's almost just, part of the it's almost part of yeah. the the strategy or part of the new form of politics, which is extremely explicit. Like the reason to hide the the the, the it, like your cancer chemotherapy analogy is because you'll scare away the voters, mm. and they're not scared of quote unquote scaring away voters because they are a small yeah. niche party. Yeah. But all you need is a some somehow this constellation of niche parties will add up to a very reactionary government because they can all, yes. it, it's almost like a different, in, instead of the typical politicized people and get them involved in policies, mm -hmm. they're hyper politicized, at least in terms of identity or narrative. They feel like they're a liberal. They feel they, they follow the results and ah, we have a, we have a, <laughs> we have our Linda in, in the finance <laughs> ministry in Germany, you know, they can point to other places yep. and, and, and it exists in, in some ways on the left too, which is, which is why I think it's interesting to understand because you should resist this tendency to want to, you know, follow your team because it's like, it, it's, it's like in lieu of a pacification of the population, it's like putting you on a treadmill to always be like, you know, freaking out about politics or mm -hmm. like hyped up about what's going to happen. <laughs> but in a way that is always setting you up to fail because you can't, the, I mean, c capitalism's moving in one direction and you can, you can tell whatever story you want about it. Uh, depending on what party you're in, you can, you can be more like Chega, you can be more like the ultra liberals, but mm -hmm. ultimately you are just kind of, cheering on the the collapse in, in your own specific way yeah but, but it's it's interesting how the right and the left have done the opposite opposite things here in portugal right? the left has tried to to change their discourse into a more kind of moderate a bit more moderate and try to be more reasonable and negotiate with the socialist party and the right uh, it's the opposite they're disintegrating yeah. into small more radical more radical parties and the, and the, and the thing is that for some reason, and this is what I was trying to talk about a little bit before, when the when the when the liberals go on a debate and talk about their outlandish proposals, they sound much more reasonable than when the left bloc or the Communist Party would go there and just talk about nationalizing energy sector. Yeah. Right? I mean, because because they are sort of the, the what the status quo, right? I mean. Yeah. New liberalism working within is, the framework of capitalism. They're using, yeah, yeah, yeah they work, yeah, yes, yeah, so, doing so, what everyone is doing or wants to do, 
but uh, they're more outspoken about it. Yeah, so, so, so journalists don't accuse them in the same way of being crazy and irresponsible when they propose a flat 15% tax, which would cut like state budget by its gigantic amount. They don't accuse them of being responsible in the same way that they accuse the Communist Party of being responsible if they propose to nationalize energy. It's, it's very difficult to, f- to figure out how to, like, how can the left go and unapologetically have a radical program and, and defend it in yeah. an election campaign without being immediately marginalized? And the right, then the right is able to do that. That's the thing that the left hasn't really been able to, to do this. I don't want to uh, cut us off, but we do have to wrap up. So if you have any thoughts on that, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. So how, how is the left supposed to do that? I, I tend to think that uh, the media, so the same two words keep coming up, which is the election campaign and the media. And these are terrains that are often set up to make the left fail. And that doesn't mean you, you avoid them because, but I think it means you, uh, you know, you have to be very tactical about the, about how you engage with them. Um, that's easier said than done, right? That's very simple, but it's like, okay, what exactly do you do? But something about this whole game, this hype, this, oh, there's a new phenomenon going on and, oh, we're, we're starting something new. Um, that tends to, uh, uh, it's like a, it's like a fake kind of politics or it's like the, it's like the, the vapor waves of politics that you're a part of a movement, but you're not really. You're just vaguely identifying with a, with a person or, or, a, or cheering on something you read in the news, which is, which is not a true political connection. It's not social, building new social connections. It's not, it's not any of those things. But I don't know what the alternative is that the left can, can engage in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the alternative is, is the labor movement and social movements. And, and this is, you know, and this is... But, this, this is how the, the Communist Party and the left bloc got such a good vote in 2015 in the first place, mm-hmm. because there was a mass movement, right? And, and yeah. now they're both, I mean, the Communist Party is, always has this, uh, they're very co- co- consistent, right? Whenever they, after an election, whether the result was good or bad, their, their, their narrative is always, now the election is over, we are still uh, by your side. Every day. Yeah. So, they, so immediately, immediately after the election, they were posting propaganda about being in yeah. workplaces and <laughs> I'm I'm always for that. I'm always I'm always say like okay, we need like we need the movements and we need the grassroots activism and we need all of that. We need to go into the workplace, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I always get criticized, especially by German leftists, for that. <laughs> Why? <laughs> really? Yeah. Sorry, but but, but but they but say like, of... oh, but you see, we we have to turn away from a movement left or something because it doesn't like work in politics. Or well, something like I, that, I think know? I think there but needs. They want to turn away from movement and into electoral politics exclusively. Like, or yeah. that's the thing. It's almost like a. I think I think that's the, the problem in, in in Germany now is that move movementism mm. is associated with a certain kind of. Um, mm-hmm. Is is elite the wrong word? But a certain kind of young activist yeah. milieu. But, yeah. But yeah, it doesn't have to be. That's yeah, that's not that's like, like it's a the, false dichotomy um, to set up electoral, like yeah. staid old electoralism and young yeah, enthusiastic yeah. I mean, uh, activism. But I thought, but I thought the fight was movementism versus labor, la- labor unions, right? I mean, mm. it's at least the way that I see the, usually these debates. Yeah. For example, in the Link or whatever, it's the the ones who want more, you know, old uh, East German Hostiles, labor yeah. movement, whatever, versus like social movements, yeah. anti racism and feminism. Yeah. I think you can like, but make, yeah, that, I, that is probably more agreeable than than the shit I get critiqued for all the fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> but even then, it's it's not quite like that's not exactly the dichotomy because yeah. you can do 
like uh, like oftentimes the, the the labor the quote unquote labor approach that's against the movementism is it's almost like an accepted or the implied answer is yeah and it's this kind of working with uh it's, it's reformist it's with uh, these sort of electoral paths yeah. it's with these different uh strategic partners uh, but that's not necessarily ha- that doesn't have necessarily have very, to be the case yeah movements are spontaneous movements are not like they don't have a like solid core or something mm-hmm. like that where you you know you have you can have people from all over the place and stuff like that so but if you i don't know like if you look for example at countries in in south america the ones that just elected um uh left wing politicians uh, as their presidents and leaders uh, very movement based or ma- very mm. not movement but also very it depends like some very labor based a lot of people also very movement based you know like climate activism mm-hmm. uh, indigenous rights etc cetera, etc cetera. So I'm always like, I mean, it's not, of course, it's not comparable to like situations in Germany, but at the same time, I'm always like, why, why does everyone hate that so much? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's perfectly compatible and uh, to do, mm. to do, you know, to labor movement and other social movements. I don't think there's, yeah, uh, yeah I think, I mean, I, I think there was for a long time this idea that only the labor movement is the real, yeah, is the real thing, and everything. Yeah, I think no one, I think no one really can can defend that anymore. I think they're yeah. two different things. And I think they can, I mean, for example, here in the protests during the austerity years, you had, you had a complete convergence of, of social movements and trade unions and the, the left mm-hmm. parties. But that's also, that those are, this is always the easiest way for, easiest times to converge is when you have something that you're against. But yeah. then everyone is together because there's a very clear thing that you're against. You don't need to agree on almost anything other than austerity is bad. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, that is something that the right creates. Basically, they have yeah. a constant enemy, and that could be like, I don't know, for Chega, it would be Roma people or yeah. something like that. You know, you create like a, a constant enemy. You create all, all the yeah. communists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that is not necessarily yeah. What's what's the only? So I understand the argument that people are brought together by a common crisis or common enemy in in terms of the rise of the left leading up to 2015. But there's something, or or there's some kind of like gap in the, in the explanation or in the narrative here where it's, okay, this is how the left built its power. Mm -hmm. And then it switched to electoral politics. And it's like, well, why would you do that? If that's how you lose your power, you know, there's something that's not adding up (laughs) and it must be because no, it's a spring to the next level that, Mm -hmm. that of, of even greater social, uh, yeah. penetration well, and acceptance, I mean, but yeah. so then you have to go back and say, okay, so we have to rebuild. But is will will that rebuilding hit a ceiling, or do you commit to it and and I, and, and go further than than the you don't have to make the electoral jump you'd made last time. I mean, I guess that's actually what we were talking about like the whole time is like, okay, what happens to left wing parties, movement, etc. as long as, as soon as they get into like a kind of like electoral pol- politics situation, they have to form coalitions. They have to give up on like radical standpoints, etc., etc. So the question is, yeah, how, what, what? <laughs> I mean, for I mean, talking again about about Portugal. I mean, I think the problem is the it was it was not the left bloc and the Communist Party that started the, the mobilization. Yeah, so yeah. This, this was not in their hands. That that's the of thing that they can't just flip their fingers, you know, snap no, their fingers. Yeah. And so what happens? I mean, the, the anti-austerity protests in Portugal were kind of 
in continuity and the result of the general, you know, 2011, Indignados, Arab Spring, this kind of stuff, you know. It, this is how it started, right? And then it grew and grew. And then at a certain point, the left bloc and the Communist Party were kind of in control of the biggest of the biggest demonstrations. And when the election happened in 2015, this was already kind of dying down, this big movement. So it's not like they won the election and then they said, okay, movement is over. Like the movement was already kind of over when they won the election. So, so I mean, they, they didn't stop. I mean, and, and so, of course, and then, of course, also they invested more of their time into, into the parliament. And of course, when you are supporting the government, you can't be as... You can't be as uh, hard on them. On, you know, you can't call for general strikes when you are supporting the government. You know, yeah. <laughs> there's just certain things that you can do. But at the same time, the, the, the Communist Party never mm. always kept their trade union work and the left bloc also was doing, also work in social movements just with much less intensity than they had been doing before. Of course, yeah. And hopefully now they're going to go back to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's the same with the Linke, you know. I mean, that's a whole like trenches fight, uh, Grabenkampf yeah. <laughs> of uh, <laughs> of the Linke is the so like you know. Okay, should we go into government? Should we do you know electoral politics because we have to give up on certain stuff, or should be we be the like never ending opposition? You know, like for forever in an oppositional uh, position because there we can fight for you know. Yeah. Because yeah. we we don't support this at all. It's just may, may, maybe it's just me, but it's there's something about the the debates get so frustrating because of the implied baggage. <laughs> uh, so when you say opposition, you have a certain picture in your head of what it means to be an opposition. Yeah. But I mean, as long as it's capitalism, I want to be in opposition to capitalism. So that's yeah, how, like, you know, yeah. it seems yeah. like I mean, if that's yeah. opposition, that's great, you know. But yeah, it's yeah, like there's, somehow there's there's uh, people. There's a way of talking about politics where it's designed to make you jump to conclusions where you're mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, I got it. I got it. I'm, I'm not on that team. I'm on this team. Or, you know, it's, it's yeah, kind yeah, of filling yeah, in the blanks yeah. for you and forcing you to sift and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. I'm going to be on this side, which um, I don't know. I don't even know how to, how to get out of that. But um, if there are any lessons from Portugal, please, please let us know. Are you optimistic, would you say, about the, about the future? I mean, I'm hoping yeah. that there will. I mean, there, there's there's two things that uh, that that were that were making me optimistic. One of them is the, um, the leader of the Communist Party in in the in the election night in his speech talked about climate change. It was the last Ooh. in a in a very long list of things that he that he was talking about that they are going to, that he said is important now to keep because we all keep fighting. With them. And they don't. I mean, the, the Communist Party has some things about climate change. Their program and And their leader would talk, for example, I went to see him speak about uh, ecology and climate change in like a specific event, which was about that. But in their main, like high profile, you know, if they're on TV in the election night, this is not something that they usually talk about. It's not one of their main priorities. And then he talked about it. He, well, he said the word climate change at the end of a long list of problems. So, I mean, this, this is encouraging because it's, it's very difficult to to get the Communist Party doing something that they're not doing already. They're very, like, they're very big, slow machine, big, slow-moving machine. Mm. And then also this interview with this guy from the left bloc who was talking about now focusing on, on movement work, and, and he talked also a lot about the climate movement and about of, of how the left bloc is now going to try to, can have an important uh, 
a role to play there and they're going to put... So, so I really hope that the Communist Party and the are going to put more effort and more resources into social movements in general and climate movements in particular. And yeah, I think that's that's maybe a good... could be a good perspective for, for, for what's going to happen in social movements in the next few years. I have nothing to add to that. I don't know if you do. Um, thank you, Manuel. Um, we, is there anything you want to promote? Uh, what we can put if, uh, if people want to reach you or want to learn more about the, the climate movement in Portugal, mm -hmm. um, we, we can put links in the description, but if there's anything you want to say, uh, feel free. Um, no, I don't have, yeah, I don't have any, anything to promote. <laughs> you can put my, yeah, I don't know. You're, my you're, Twitter if people want yeah, to ask yeah, something. Yeah. I will, I will. You're too humble. Please, please message Manuel on Twitter. You can ask him any questions you <laughs> <All> want. <of> <laughs> Even if you don't have a question. <laughs> um, yeah, if you have the latest, uh, uh, if you have any Volt, any anti-Volt memes, that, that that's always a good way oh, to yeah. reach out to people yeah. across the... Yes. No, I mean, yeah. they were so irrelevant in this election. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. That's, yeah, I, saw, no, I still saw their poster. Kieran and I talked about it. I, it's a little bit of a, a bait and switch because the same thing happened in Germany where you're you're worried about Volt because you think they crack the code of this certain, yeah. oh, this is what we're like, this pro-EU youth identity oh, and like kind of sneaking in the the, uh, the ultra-liberal politics. Whereas yeah. what's actually successful is the explicitly ultra-liberal politics. Like, why do you even care about the nerd stuff? Yeah. It's the same thing with the FDP here. So. There's, there's some yeah. lesson in there. But I'm not sure what it is yet. <laughs> they didn't have the, the, the right-wing edge to them, like the Yulis, for example. Yeah, 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 they maybe. want like a they, German they seem, empire, yeah. but run under capitalism. Yeah. Also, maybe they, they, their space was occupied by this other... There's another left pro-EU party. Who got yeah. one MP elected? Ah, right. The what are they? Lever. Yeah, yeah Lever. So and they and they had elected someone in the past election. So then, when you when you elect someone, then you you get to go in the big, in the yeah. big boy debates. And you get invited to the big debates. And so then they had the big. You know, so they were the ones defending the EU. So they okay. didn't need so Volt. <laughs> <got> their, <laughs> so Volt, Volt got their. Uh, you know, they lost their space. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, we have to go. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much, yeah. Manuel. Yeah, it's a nice chat. Uh, yeah, yeah we, we, if something else big happens in Portugal, we'll uh, we'll call you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Bye, you. everyone. Thank you. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye.